Hello and welcome to Touching the Sunrise podcast. I am Sister Catherine Herms, author of Surviving Depression, A Catholic Approach, and Reclaim Regret, How God Heals Life's Disappointments, and Spiritual Guide in the Heartwork Program, which specializes in helping people walk the road of spiritual growth and inner healing. For the past 10 years, I have been walking alongside wonderful women and men who want a more heart-centered and spiritual life, but would like support along the way, through online programs, groups, and one-on-one spiritual guidance. I walk with people along a contemplative and healing path, one that has been trodden for thousands of years. Basically, I'm here to help you surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit, who has come to make your being the throne of the Holy Trinity, so that your life, your prayer, your relationships, your dreams and goals will most deeply satisfy the desires of your heart. You can find out more about me and what God has led me to do in the world by visiting my website, touchingthesunrise.com. Welcome to our series of five learnings for midlife. I'm Sister Catherine James Herms, and I'm here with my friend Jeanette. Hi, Sister. It's so delightful to be here with you. Great. And today we're going to be talking about our first learning, which is we have to get lost in order to find ourselves. We have to get lost in order to find ourselves. I don't know about you, Jeanette, but I'm in my midlife, well into it. And um, I find myself looking back at different stages of my life. And I live in a community of sisters of all ages from their early 20s to their late 90s. So stages of life are all around me. And seeing younger sisters makes me stop and think about those years in my own life. And it's so a wonderful opportunity to really think about and almost process what happened at the different stages of my life. What do you think about that? Well, I, I, it's really interesting to me. I also am in my midlife and um, recently thinking about the stages I found fascinating because I look at, at you know, the, 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 the schematics or, or, you know, the different lists of stages. And I say, oh, right, that's why I was doing such and such at that age, or that's why I was thinking that sort of thing. So it's really kind of interesting to see it fall into that pattern and see that pattern manifest in life. And it makes me really interested about what's coming next, you know? Yeah, excited. I think that's why I'm really excited about these five uh, presentations because the stages of our life are so important and knowing them has just brought me so much peace. And in a sense, it kind of brings order to like the confused chaos of what's going on around me when you can't always uh, like pick up on the clues as to what's happening and why it's happening and how what's happening is really in service of what is to be. Exactly. Yeah. And so in order to find ourselves, as we're talking about today, sometimes we have to get lost. And as we look back on those stages, 
I don't know, sometimes I really felt lost. Um, but looking back now, you see they're kind of, it's a getting lost in service of what actually became. Right, exactly. Became. Things that you thought were something that, that was separate from your life, you see suddenly as, as a block, you know, a building block or a stair that was taking you to the next stage. Oh, I love that. Building blocks and stairs. That's great. I remember um, the first time I visited the Daughters of St. Paul before entering, I was standing outside the church with a number of family friends, our parish, St. John's, the Beloved in McLean, Virginia. And my dad was talking about my going to visit the Daughters of St. Paul. I was in high school and how I hadn't found anyone interested in going with me. And a family friend, Annette Bacabello, said, you didn't ask me. And of course, that really stunned everybody who was standing there. <laughs> it was a shock that she would be interested in the convent, including her mom. But a month later, there we were on our way to visit the sisters for the first time. And the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> Both of us entered in August of 1978. Um, she was seven years older than me. Almost 30 years later, I held another conversation with her that's also very dear. She called me into the room where she was staying in our infirmary to thank me for bringing her to the Daughters of St. Paul. I knew in my heart that this was her goodbye to me. Um, Sister Annette was a marvelous person and she had capably shouldered many apostolic responsibilities for the community with all the adventure that this brings, as well as the inevitable suffering, the misunderstanding, and at times the inexplicable failure. And in this conversation, she was in the last weeks of her life after having suffered with breast cancer followed by a number of complications. So as she spoke to me and thanked me, I, I responded to her, simply asking with all that has happened? And she said, yes. Um, a year before this, I had stuck my head into her room just to say hello on my way to some very important work I had to do. And <laughs> she says something, which at that time I hadn't understood. And she said, relax, none of that is really as important as we make it. You know, I secretly resented those words then. Um, she was speaking out of uh, something she had learned through her years of suffering with this illness when she had really been removed from the active apostolate. Um, but now I'm beginning to understand those words. So sages of life. Um, are, I have to interrupt you and say that that's an amazing statement that she made. None of that is really as important as we make it. Um, when you first told me about that, I wrote that down in my day book because I just found that such an extraordinary statement to carry with you, to keep things in perspective. Mm. Yeah, so all these things that we learn along the way in our stages of life, in the building blocks of who we become. It used to be thought that when a person entered adulthood that uh, she or he had reached maturity and there was no more growing to do. But reaching back to St. Paul, the, even just a biblical spirituality and understanding of the person, it's always held out that we grow gradually into the maturity of the fullness of Christ over a lifetime. It's not something that happens quickly. 
um, or immediately or uh, automatically. We see in Paul's writings his own accounts of stages of growth, of crisis, transition, modification of dreams, settling down, integration, stages of life. I have this quote that I found from George MacDonald. He's my new author that I go to. He is an amazing <laughs> author. He's um, one for of my heroes. Too. Oh, your hero. Yeah, for those who don't know, he was a poet, a storyteller, and a preacher. Lived from 1824 to 1905. Um, lover of humanity and nature and God. And he was loved and valued by such writers as C.S. Lewis and G.K. Chesterton. Two more of my heroes. You can yeah. tell where my brain is. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a paragraph from his book, Home Again. And I just want to read it here because I think it also opens up the mystery of growth and change. He writes, some as they approach middle age, some only when they are old, wake up to understand that they have parents. To some, the perception comes with their children. To others, with the pang of seeing those children walk away lighthearted out into the world just as they themselves had once turned their backs on their own parents. They had been all their own, and now they have done with them. Less or more, have we not all thus taken our journey into a far country? But many a man of 60 is more of a son to the father gone from the earth than he was while under his roof. What a disintegrated mass were the world. What a lump of half-baked brick. If death were indeed the end of affection. If there were no chance more of setting right what was so wrong in the loveliest relations. How gladly would many a son who once thought it a weariness to serve his parents minister now to their lightest need. And in the boundless eternity, is there no help? Isn't that amazing? That is so profound, and it's so relevant. I have to say that um, my mother died when I was in my 30s. And somehow, as I've gotten into middle age, um, I, in some ways, I feel closer to her. And I remember many more of the things that she said to me that she taught me than when I was in my 20s and she was alive because I was so busy being in my 20s. I was so busy doing my, my things that um, I drifted away from her. And now I think of her every day. Wow. Yeah. As I, as I think about my own parents too, I realize how I have changed. You know, I have both of my parents. But now in my 50s, I'm almost returning to them as a daughter again. I never left them, mm -hmm. but there is a different lightness. The desire to willingly minister to their lightest need, as George MacDonald says, I just love that. Mm -hmm. And um, the, just that, that willingness to, to be there to serve, to do the little things that would make them happy, um, to almost weave your life back into theirs. And, and I'm so grateful that I have that time over many years, um, yeah. God willing, to do that with them. Right. So yeah. stages of life. 
there are many stages of life for every one of us, as we've already said, they look very different. Um, but along the way of those stages, when we're in building blocks or on stairwells, where things aren't that clear, um, or if we haven't yet been able to see how everything is a lesson, a growth, a gift for some aspect of our future being, um, we do feel along the way lost, um, only to discover that what felt like being lost was only, I feel for myself, like my tentative and sometimes scary journey into the unknown liminal space between who I was and who I was to become. And this brings us then to the first learning. We have to get lost in order to find ourselves. So getting lost, when I feel lost, it usually follows this general pattern, which you may recognize in yourselves. Um, first, um, often something happens that triggers anxiety or a feeling of not being adequate, of not being satisfied or not being happy, not feeling like I am enough or I have enough or I do enough. Um, we also could be cast into this liminal space in our middle years by the sudden stark awareness that we're aging. The years are cowing by, we're running out of time. This could be like a milestone birthday, our 40s, our 60s, our 80s. It could be the death of a loved one. It could be a career change or anything else that causes a person to reflect on their age or their life. So and can I just say, I think that reflection is particularly important in view of what you just said about it being liminal space, because liminal space is a passageway. It's, 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 a, it's a time between two times. And to take that time to reflect on what's happened before and what's about to happen, I think is so essential to midlife. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that also is just, um, sometimes we almost can't take that time because it's triggered by this anxiety right. or this um, unsureness or this sudden fear or threat. <laughs> <laughs> and so we don't, we don't easily fall into that liminal uh, space and sit there realizing that something beautiful is happening. Right. Um, yeah. So I love the way you point that out. So oftentimes in midlife, that can be the beginning of our midlife lostness. Um, mm -hmm. So when that happens, the second thing is spending time in this space. But as we just said, it's not very comfortable because I feel sometimes like I've lost my powers, um, quote powers, um, or my energy sources. Um, I've lost the certainty that I once had. And in some way, I feel like I'm slowly searching for a new power or new sources of spiritual energy, um, a new trusting faith with less certainty. It's kind of like switching from oil to electric or something <laughs> where you're disconnected from one but you're not yet connected to the other and you're sitting there like i have no energy there's no connection here there's just me and there is that very uncomfortable space um 
that if we don't realize what midlife is doing is just disconnecting us in order to reconnect us to something deeper, wiser, more beautiful uh, than we've ever had before. So during this time, I feel a lot of those yucky emotions that we don't <laughs> like to sit with, but, but really we need to because the journey will work itself out, but only in the journeying, not in thinking about it or deciding on a new path through my own agency. I have, I have sort of an example to this, sister. It's, it's a very practical example, but um, it's about feeling like you've lost something and then moving beyond that through that liminal space into something better. Um, my friend Melanie, she's, she's just a great example of this. We met when we were both technical writers at IBM, which was a job we both hated. Um, but it was difficult to leave it because it paid so well and we both had families. So we both were contributing to um, the finances of, of the people we loved. And so we couldn't leave, we felt stuck there. Um, and then to make it worse, there was a reorganization within IBM and Melanie's job was eliminated. So she was laid off and she was in utter despair because she, as much as she had disliked the job, she needed the job. Um, and her husband alone could not support their family. Mm -hmm. She spent a lot of sleepless nights and absolutely panic-filled days. I know that she was talking to me every day about this. She was sending out resumes and not getting anywhere. Even the jobs for which she was overqualified and should have been hired. And she prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed to get the job. For some reason, they would fall through. Oh. So one day she was um, actually having tea with her mother and her parish priest. And her mother asked her, but if you could do anything, what would you do? And Melanie was, was instant in her response. She said, bake. She had taken a cake decorating course one year just for fun. And she had been creating these beautiful cakes all along for friends and family ever since. So she took a leap. She had her kitchen inspected by the state and got it qualified. Um, and she started her own company. She called it Melanie's Marvelous Cakes. And she has been doing that ever since. And that was 20 years ago. Now she's not making as much money as she was at IBM, but she's making enough. And that's all that was needed. She works from home. So she spends more time with her daughters she loves what she's doing. She loves how she's feeling about life. And truly losing that job was the best thing that could have happened to her because she found something that was better. And I just find that such um, an obvious illustration of this. Um, we don't know what's ahead of us and we don't know what God has in store for us. Um, and sometimes just staying with that, that fear and staying with that panic as she had um, is what you need to do to work through to the next stage. I think that story is a good example too, how it doesn't always, it's not always enough just to reflect in that right. liminal space. And it's not always enough just to do in that liminal space. You, you have to do resumes. both. Um, she could have just um, gone and picked up any job she could find just so she had a job and um, she would have been doing something on her own agency. Sometimes it's just a matter of going through. 
And she went through until her mother asked her that question. She took a leap. And that's how she found the next step. Yeah. And I am absolutely convinced that that was what God wanted her to do. She, because she had this great resume and she had all these job interviews. And why would they not hire her? You know, um, and it, it seems like God had his hand in it saying, this isn't where you're supposed to be. Let's move on. Let's go on. You're not going to get the job you want because I have something even better for you. So that leads actually to my last point, the last stage of this midlife lostness. And there comes a time when I get an inkling, a surprising hint of the new. And I've noticed that if I take that hint and I grab it and I decide what to do with it immediately, the hint goes away. You know, there's something about me taking possession of it that it gets lost. But if I, if I can receive it and let go of it over and over again and allow it almost to unfold and blossom in the way it was meant to, I receive that newness that leads to wholeness and a wholeness in the mystery and holiness, excuse me, and the mystery of God's plan for my life. So working with people, I've noticed that God leads people into this lost liminal space between the before and the not yet through many different means. And um, for some, it's been a relationship change or a divorce. Yeah, that's something that I can certainly speak to, sister, as I... I am divorced. Um, my husband and I lived in a beautiful old sea captain's house. Um, and that's where we were when we came to the difficult decision of divorcing. And obviously, I don't have to go into details, but losing my marriage was exceptionally difficult. I won't lie, it still is. I can still feel the loss. But he moved away. And for over three years, I stubbornly stayed in that house mm. because I felt like I had too much loss and I, I love that house. And I, you know, my, my, my stepchildren had lived there with us. Um, it, we had built so many memories in that place and I felt I couldn't lose that too. Mm. But it became clear that keeping it was causing me so much stress. And again, like Melanie, so many sleepless nights I could not afford it by myself. Every month I struggled to pay the mortgage. I struggled to pay to heat it. I couldn't afford the constant repairs it needed. It was built in, in 1835. It always needed repairs, but I stayed there. And this speaks a little bit to what you were just talking about, about if you grab it and try to make it yours. So I prayed, I prayed to God, I prayed to Our Lady. And it was very specific. I wanted to hold on to that. I said, please help me keep the house because obviously we don't always know what's best for us. I thought what was best for me was somehow to get more money so I could continue to live in, in this place. It was far too big for me and probably filled with memories that would be best for me to just move on from. So finally I gave up and I felt like this was a total failure. I sold it. I even took a financial loss in the, sale, in the sale. I had to sell it for less than we'd pay for it. And while I grieved it, because in some ways it felt like losing that house was the final nail in the coffin of my marriage, mm -hmm. 
But I also instantly felt lighter because I suddenly had options. I could choose where to live. I could choose what to do. I could make choices that I could not make when I was, in essence, bound to that house. And one of the great things that happened was I had the flexibility to move when I was offered the job I have now with the Daughters of St. Paul. And that could not have happened a couple of years before if I'd still been clinging stubbornly to that big old house. So I really thought I was losing everything when I sold it. I thought I was losing, you know, the memory of my marriage and the memory of my family and, and, and my own ability to, you know, be strong and, and take care of myself. But when I lost it, when I sold it, I found so many more important and wonderful things because I lost it. You know, isn't it a marvelous, a gentle way God works? So true. In um, allowing years to go by as you heal somewhat from one loss um, and move through the next loss into a new space. And um, that's just so beautiful. Yeah, God is just so kind. So kind. But it also points to, you know, I was praying so hard for something very specific. Mm -hmm. Let me keep this house. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure God was saying, okay, <clears throat> she'll get over that. Let's move on. And I kept feeling God's presence. I was in church every day praying. I went to daily mass. And, um, and I'm sure he was just saying, okay, let's move on. Let's, and gently, gently bringing me from my prayer of, let me keep this house to a prayer of, okay, help me find out what's next. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's just such a midlife kind of thing to go from saying specifically what I want mm -hmm. to learning what it is I need. Yes. Yes. Very good. Wow. Um, you know, another way that you can kind of enter into this midlife lostness is through an experience of prayer. You know, this baby being on retreat and all of a sudden out of the blue, you're just bowled over, captivated by maybe only an instant awareness of something you've known or believed all your life. It could be this moment when you realize Christ died for me. Um, or it could be this awareness of my own poverty, um, what I don't like about myself and seeing the eyes of God saying, you are lovely. And putting those together for the first time and realizing that I am lovely in God's eyes. There's something beautiful about me. So there's only always different, all these different ways in which in prayer or on retreat, we can really be touched by something from the divine that changes our life. And um, we can be so deeply moved, um, almost to tears, a sense of silence within us, a sense of almost being knocked off balance or of being put onto a new foundation. And that in itself begins to play out in a new, uh, new choices for the rest of um, the aspects of our life. Right. We're always, I think, blessed when we have those transformative experiences that say, you know, here I've learned something or I've, I've been transformed or I, I've, been, I've been touched 
and it's going to change the way I move forward in my life. But I have to say that being lost can be challenging. And I don't know if, if, if others have um, read Dante's Inferno, but he, it, it, it's an extraordinary book and, and I urge you to do so at some point. But Dante wrote about his traveler finding himself, and I'm quoting here, in dark woods, the right way lost. And that was when he descended into the inferno. And that's what it can feel like, this, this liminal time. It's like being in dark woods. You don't know which way to take to get out. You don't even know what tomorrow will look like. You wish you had what you'd lost, even if it wasn't good for you. You might even feel like God has abandoned you. But the truth is, that is when he's closest. That's when he's saying, take my hand. Trust me, I love you, I'll show you the way out. The trouble, of course, is that we struggle and think and flounder around because we're frightened and panicked and we don't stop and just be. Be in the state of loss. Be in the state of being lost. Understand the feeling and listen to where God's voice is leading us. And we have to remember that the inferno ends with the traveler coming out into the daylight at the end of the journey, seeing the stars, seeing the stars sparkling above him. And remember also, you know, the beautiful spiritual, it says, I once was lost, but now I'm found. And it may be that we have to go through the experience of being lost in order to find what God wants for us at all these different stages of our life. Maybe that's the only way we can actually appreciate it. Being lost, there's, there's that sense of being lost in dark woods. There's also the sense that can really come upon us in midlife, almost a lostness inside of ourselves. When we realize that maybe something we had kind of thought about God or believed about God all our lives is not true. Mm. I asked someone after a very difficult situation, as a father, if a son came to you and said he was sorry for something he had done and was suffering tremendously because of what had happened, what would you do? And he said, uh, I would say he was forgiven. Mm. And I said, really? <laughs> Why don't you wrap your child in your arms and say you were there for him and you would walk together through this together with him? Isn't that what you would do? And he said, yeah, that was his tentative response. <laughs> unwilling response. And I said, that is the heart of the father in the parable of the prodigal son. Who didn't stand there at the door when he came and said, you are forgiven. He ran to him after waiting for him every day to return. He threw him a party. He restored him to his place in the family. That is the heart of God. If you would be so kind to a son, don't you believe that God who has a heart that is billions of times more loving than yours would also care for his least and most lost child? After a long time of silence he spoke if that is true if that is true that changes everything yes. it changes everything he had been taught everything he knew about god 
himself, the world, his religion, everything. And indeed, it was a turning point for that person on that part of their midlife journey. So for others in midlife, it's realizing that they really want to do something meaningful with the rest of their life, with the years that they have left. Um, but for all of us, it's this experience of being lost and of being found. There's a pre-Socratic philosopher called Meno, named Meno, and he, he has this line, how will you go about finding that thing, the nature of which is totally unknown to you? That's an excellent question. You know, the, our future, what we're meant to become in God's eyes, in God's plan, um, you know, when we were six <laughs> or eight or 13, we had no idea who we were going to be at 50. And now that we're in our 50s or 40s or 60s, we have no idea what things will look like when we're 90. Um, so how do you go about finding the thing, the nature of which is totally unknown to you? So we're talking about just not finding one thing, we're talking really about a transformation. Um, we don't know, we don't have any idea, we don't even think we know what's on the other side of that transformation. But if we don't get lost, we're not gonna find it. If we don't get lost, we're not going to really live. Right, and of course, I'm also reminded of J.R.R. Tolkien, um, an outstanding writer, fervent Catholic, friend of C.S. Lewis, who wrote, not all who wander are lost. And, and what I get from that is that feeling lost may be different from being mm. lost. Mm. Um, that, that we may have these feelings and, and feelings, remember, are just on the surface, but they're very real. That I have no options, I have nowhere to go, I have nothing. Um, I don't know what's before me. It looks dark and murky and I don't know what to do. Whereas you're not actually lost because the father is holding you. He said in, in Isaiah, behold, I have carved you in the palm of my hand. Mm -hmm. He is with you. You are not lost. You are, mm -hmm. you are just moving through these dark woods. And on the other side, is something brilliant. And all you have to do is leave the door open for that. Sometimes you just have to take the long way around to get there. And that's such a beautiful place to end, uh, Jeanette. Thank you. So as we bring this to a conclusion, you may want to think about being lost. Uh, you may want to think about stages of your life, um, this liminal space. Or you may want to look at what's happening in your life right now. You know, where are you holding on? Where are you letting go? Um, all these ways in which God gently kind of um, shakes our roots a little bit, um, removes us from being stuck in one place, and begins to replant us in a bigger pot <laughs> so that we can grow in more beautiful ways, blossom in, uh, with new flowers and come to a new spring of our lives. Because definitely, I think we can all say midlife is not the end. It's only the beginning of something very beautiful, which um, uh, in many ways is 
happier, more peaceful, and more wise, and deeper, and more balanced than anything we may have experienced up to this point. And, and, and that's a beautiful thing. And we it's know- It's a beautiful thing. We're bringing a more mature self to it, I think. Yes, which is, yes. which, you know, We can enjoy things more now because we're bringing that maturity to the experience. Great. So uh, we invite you to our next presentation, and that will be the second learning for midlife. And that will be be attentive to pockets of possibility. Be I love that. To pockets of possibility. So it's been wonderful being with you. Thank you so much for your attention and being with us. And God bless you. Bye-bye bless you all. God has amazing ways of knocking on people's hearts, awakening desires, arousing questions, provoking an unexpected spiritual fire. Remember, if you'd like some extra support and are ready to embark on a sustained spiritual journey, you can connect with me in a number of ways by going to my website, touchingthesunrise.com. So until the next time, take care of yourself. And remember that you are not alone. You are loved no matter what. And when you search within yourself, you will not only find yourself, but the throne of the Divine Trinity. You have a calling, a mission, and every gift, every grace, every moment, even every fall, mistake, and sin is a step toward your completely and wholly being taken up into the mystery of God's love for you and for all creation. Remember always that you have a treasure of inexpressible joy hidden in an earthen vessel, small and fragile. May this overflowing joy fill you and yours with this fragrance. God be with you.